Hi, I'm Nick Gregoratis, and this is the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood Podcast. The show for grapplers and martial artists that want to evolve both on and off the mat. Welcome back to the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood Show. I'm your host, Nick Gregoratis, author of The Black Belt Blueprint and Beyond the Black Belt. This week's guest is a very unique, very special, and very entertaining individual. His name is Thomas Mietz. He's a Frenchman who teaches Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Tokyo, Japan. And he's obviously got some crazy stories about life out there and what it's been like fitting in as an expatriate. Before we get into the show, I just want to give you guys a heads up about my new product that's going to be coming out in about two weeks. For any of you who have followed my work, you'll know that I'm big into conditioning training and I've created a program called BudoFit, which incorporates a whole bunch of different conditioning disciplines, including bodyweight training, kettlebell training, gymnastics, gymnastic and natural, a little bit of yoga, a little bit of uh, calisthenic style stuff. And I've basically put this all together and turned it into some follow-along workouts that you can use to get in shape quickly and easily. The focus is on kettlebell training and bodyweight training, but as I said, there's a whole bunch of other stuff in there. And it's going to be ready for release in about two weeks. So by the time you hear the next podcast, uh, it should be good to go. And what I'll do is I'll give you guys, the podcast audience, all a discount coupon so you can get it at a special price. So keep an eye out for that. I'll be discussing it more in next uh, the next show that comes out. So without any, any further ado, here is one of my favorite people that I've met on my jiu-jitsu journey so far, Mr. Thomas Mietz. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood podcast. And today I have someone on the show who I've been trying to get to um, talk to for a long time. But because he's all the way over in Japan, our time time zones have made it very, very difficult. In fact, it's 1.40 a.m. over there in Tokyo where he's speaking to me from. This is Thomas Mietz, who is excellent jiu-jitsu guy and a Frenchman who's living in Japan. How are you doing, Thomas? Hi, I'm very good. Thank, thank you for having me, Nick, today. Hey, my great pleasure. Thomas, there's many reasons I wanted to have you on the show, uh, least of all which is your amazing life choices that have led you to uh, a very interesting set of circumstances. Do you, do you want to – so just the short story is that you are now living in Tokyo and you're teaching jiu-jitsu there, that's correct, yeah? That's correct, yes. Full-time. Full-time Full -time. Jiu Jitsu instructor here at Kalpeniem Jiu Jitsu Tokyo. Uh -huh. wow. And when did when you got your black belt last year, if I'm not mistaken? Yes, I got my black belt in yeah, 2017, September 2017. Nice. That's amazing, man. And tell me how you came to find yourself in Tokyo teaching Jiu Jitsu? Like when you were a little kid, did you think that that's the way your life was going to go out? Was that, was that the oh, plan? Man, no, no, no. When I was a little kid, well, I was a little bit interested with Japan already when I was a little kid because I was watching a lot of anime like Dragon Ball and stuff like that. <laughs> okay. So Japan was the country of Dragon Ball. So I wanted to uh -huh. go But I was far from imagining the life I have today, you know, really. Uh -huh. It takes a different turn, but this is kind of unexpected what happened because I was a lot into travels. So I wasn't like, long story short, I was into BMX when I was uh, all my life, basically. So I moved, when I was 22, I moved to England, to Brighton mm -hmm. to, to do BMX and improve my English. 
And then from there, I had an opportunity to move to Korea to become a French teacher there. So I went to Korea. I stayed there for a while. Then I moved to China and then Japan finally. And then I got hired by Carpe Diem a little bit more than four years ago. So I decided to stay there because it was just the best job I can have and just mm -hmm. doing what I love every day, right? So. I mean, your, your friends back home in France, they, they must be jealous to know that you are teaching jiu-jitsu in Japan. That's pretty cool. Yeah, the thing is, in, in France, it's very difficult to be a professional jiu-jitsu athlete, to mm -hmm. do that full-time. That it's very difficult in France. Like, the guys, they won't have the same resources, right? Mm -hmm. But in Japan, it's actually doable. It's, uh, it's, you can make a career out of jiu-jitsu. So. And do you, think, do you think the reason for that is because in Japan, uh, martial arts are, are much more respected and therefore people are more willing to, to help support career martial artists? Exactly. I think that martial art in, in Japan is something that it's connected with the culture. For example, yesterday night, night of the December 31, mm -hmm. um, 9 p.m. on the main Japanese channel, there was an MMA event, right? Mm. So everybody know about MMA, everybody know about Jiu-Jitsu, everybody know that like martial art, right? In France, That's no, cool. it's, it's different. Like Judo is big in France, but apart from that, if you're not an elite Judo fighter in France, it's really hard to make money out mm. of any martial art. It's very I understand. Very difficult. Uh, that makes sense. I mean, I remember the first time I went to Japan, um, my wife and I were sitting having dinner and uh, we were at a, what's that kind of restaurant where there's a, there's like a grill in the middle and then you sit around the, the edges, a teppanyaki. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, the, um, the, um, yes. Is it teppan style? Is that, is that correct? Uh, you mean like when you, you grill the meat? No, it's kind of like a, the, you imagine a room, and in the center of the room is a is the the grill and the the kind of where the chef prepares the food, and then everyone sits in a, around that that kind of block. Okay, yeah, yeah, tepan yaki then, yeah. So yeah, so so my wife and I were sitting uh, at at a tepan restaurant in in a hotel, and we were eating, and I there was a guy next to me with his his uh, wife, and we just started chatting, and you know, just just very conversational uh regular regular talk and then the guy asked me what i do and i said that i i taught jiu-jitsu and I, he was like wow and it was it was totally different than if i mentioned that somewhere else and most of the time if i mentioned that in another country i either get like a blank stare or <laughs> or someone will be like oh yeah my, my buddy trains ufc or something you know <laughs> yeah. this guy, he was like yeah. wow you're a sensei and he was he really uh he, he really respected that, which I, I thought was very, very cool. It's some, something special about Japan, right? You said it's just an integrated martial arts, are integrated with the culture. Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's it's everywhere. Like, and also, yeah. So yeah, MMA is very big in Japan too, right? They have mm -hmm. like uh, some of the first MMA events here. They have Rising Saitama Super Arena, which is like one of the temple of MMA. So since uh -huh. is very connected with that. And still in France now, MMA is not legal there. So, mm, mm. Thomas, how did you find yourself? Uh, so we know how you arrived in Japan, but how did you find yourself training in jiu-jitsu? Oh, I was I trained jiu-jitsu because 
Uh, before that, I did judo, right? I, I started mm. with judo. I started like in my 20s. And then because I was just going to the gym and then I was like kind of tired, like pushing weights. So I was like, yeah, I need to do something like different, right? Something very interesting. Mm -hmm. And I remember mm -hmm. about judo when I was a child and I really liked it. So I came, I, I did judo in Korea. I liked it. And then I moved to China, right? Mm -hmm. In China, there's not a lot of judo, especially in Shanghai where I was. So I decided okay. to go like to the closest thing to judo that I found, right? So it was a jiu-jitsu dojo. So I mm -hmm. went there, jiu-jitsu dojo, and first day, boom, like, like this story happened so many times, jiu-jitsu, right? The first day, <laughs> you go, you're pretty confident, right? Because I have good shape. I do a lot of gym. I, I can do judo and then boom, the guy is like 20 kilo less than me, taking my back, choking me, armbarring me. And I'm like, what the hell is that? It's so, <laughs> so I got hooked up right away and, it's, and I, stood, I, I, uh, I stayed with jiu-jitsu now like from, from this day. That's cool. So, so how old were you when you, you said you were in your 20s when you... Yeah, I was 25 when I started jiu-jitsu. Wow. Really late. Yeah. But you've, I mean... That says to me, when someone starts at that kind of age, it says to me, and they, they turn it into a career or something full-time, that's, that's true passion. Yeah. Because it's not, you know, it's not as easy. It's very, very easy, relatively easy to start jiu-jitsu at, at 12 or 14 and get really good. But to start at an age like 25, man, I mean, I guess the thing you do have going for you at 25 is you, you're much more aware of who you are and your motivations are much truer. When you're 14, 15, you, you don't know what the fuck's going on. And I mean, that's true. That's, that's very true. Like, I remember the, the when I started, it became very fast, like more than a hobby, it became an obsession really, really fast. That's like, interesting. Like, first yeah. week, the first week I trained, I, I was there every day at the dojo. First person arrived, last person gone, and already watching tons of stuff. Like, I took it very seriously from the beginning. And then as a, I took it as an object of study. Like mm -hmm. really try to study as much as I can. So I, from this day, I always have like notebooks where I like take notes and then try to mm -hmm. really, really study it. Like, you, and I mean, living in Japan as well, you kind of, done, you've done the, the full immersion, deep dive yes. uh, form of study, which I think if you want to get good at anything, <clears throat> if you want to become elite at anything, that is the fastest way to do it. You just to literally bathe yourself in that, that thing, you know, you, your mind, your body, your soul, you, you eat, sleep, shit, this thing, and you become obsessed with it. Yeah. I guess that that's what you've done. Definitely. Um, for sure. What do you think is, yeah, I, I noticed when I, when I arrived in Japan and, and when I started training jujitsu, I came to, to your, your Academy Carpe Diem, the, the Japanese style is quite different of jiu-jitsu. I find it a, quite literally a much more technical style. They, they, do, they literally do not use strength, at least from what I remember. The guys are just very precise. Do you, you, th you think that's an accurate statement? Well, for me, the, the Japanese Brazilian jiu-jitsu is the standout, right? Because I kind of I got all my belts here, and then I'm used to the system here. And then that, that's true that I, I, heard, I hear a lot of people saying that uh, jiu-jitsu in Japan is more technical mm -hmm. and then yes uh, so I've been training in different academies and it's true that here um, jiu-jitsu is pushed at its most yes its most detailed detailed uh, level I think that mm -hmm. uh, with the guys that I train like 
okay, Japanese, um, first of all, they are lighter than most of the, the guys mm. in the rest of the world. So it pushes to develop more these uh, technical aspects, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, second of all, I think the, everything that in Japan, they have this quest for perfection in everything they <laughs> do, right? Like it could be like uh, some fine craft as a sword making, for example. But mm -hmm. when it comes to martial art, also it's the quest for perfection, and you can dedicate all your life for it. And then I think that's what they do here. You know, they they really mm -hmm. dedicate their life into mastering that, and then spending as much time as they they need. And then... yeah, that's that's very. Um, I think that's an accurate insight, Thomas. And to me, something I've uh, a philosophy that I've been <clears throat> I've been familiar with it for a long time, but it's just recently come into my consciousness again, which is that uh, there's this expression, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Uh -huh. And, you know, uh, it, it's true. Uh, if you are sloppy in one area of your life or, or uh, not detail-oriented in, in one area of your life, it, usually you find in all other areas of your life, it's the same thing. Yeah. You know, the, um, if you are... Uh, there's certain people who are very methodical in their approach to work. And then if you look at anything else, if you look at the way they spend their leisure time or the way they interact with people, it's the same thing. They're very methodical and it carries over. And I think that that, if you, if you scale it up to a more global societal level, that is Japan, right? Because as you said, it's this quest for perfection. So if they're, if they're looking for perfection in how they bake bread and how they um, write in their journals and how they sit on a train, then obviously they're also going to look for perfection when they when they walk into a jiu-jitsu dojo or when they when they train jiu-jitsu. Yeah. You say that's accurate. Yeah, they're definitely true. Yeah, they take it very 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 seriously, and they, uh -huh. they they're going to put everything that at their disposal to be the best that they can mm -hmm. uh, in jiu-jitsu. So that's that's amazing. The, the the time they spend on the mat is just man, that's insane. Like I see some guys in my team they spend like morning to night no days off here <laughs> and that's why they get good right yeah that's how you get that's how you get really really good at it yeah, yeah. you can see that the, I, the japanese uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu level is to the roof like recently like and uh yeah at last nogi worlds like we had like uh four three guys in the black belt division and they, they all won the match the first match at least and wow then went to the podium and that was amazing yeah i mean that's one of the reasons so that they've there's two things I wanted to mention. I don't want to forget either. Uh, that's one of the reasons I believe that uh, the Japanese became great at, or, or will never be fully surpassed at judo, even though other countries might match them or come close to them, is because they believe in repetition and drilling. And I know I've had many arguments and discussions on this show with people like Kit Dale about the value of drilling. But I noticed in Japan, that's one of the things you guys do as well is you drill your ground movements, you drill your guard entries, you drill many, many things. You've, you've taken the judo training system or the judo training style and you've kind of um, transferred it over to jiu-jitsu. And I think that that really does help. And I think that's one of the reasons, uh, as you said, the guys, the level in Japan is going through the roof. Would you agree? Yes, definitely. I agree with that. And also one thing in Carpenem is we also, we are really turned with the overseas and, we are really interested in new uh, training method too. So mm -hmm. we, are, we are adding a lot of, of things uh, to our training when it comes, to, for example, to um, uh, positional sparring. Like I know that Kidel mm -hmm. likes it a lot and I'm really interested in his theories about that. 
and mm-hmm. then we start like training more and more positions like that, like a little bit mm-hmm. less drilling. Like I drill way less now as I'm as a black belt than I used to do as a lower mm-hmm. belt. And um, my training now is more. For example, I do more judo now and also wrestling things like that. Nice, nice. I think it's, uh, it's for me. It's very fun also to do things like that. Like I started judo this year, so I'm a white belt in judo now. Which mm, is nice, humbling and interesting experience. I go every Tuesday. I do like uh-huh. uh, the human mop there because they really <laughs> mop the floor with me. That's crazy. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's doing that. Yeah. I've always, I think I'm probably too old now, but I always had this vision of going to live in Japan for a couple of years and and um, and training judo there and, and going through the judo system. I think I thought yeah, that would yeah, be yeah. Uh, fascinating. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to getting my black belt in judo too, man. But this is very cool. The the in the judo dojo, man, they're uh-huh. not kidding there. Like they they yeah. have like very strict rules, right? So for like at first when I used to go there, my one of the the another instructor. From Garpedium, his name is Sela, right? He's a black belt mm-hmm. here and, and a full-time instructor, and he introduced me there. And then uh, I took out from my bag my my jujitsu gi, right? And then mm-hmm. I saw his face, man. He was he was like, oh no, he bought the jujitsu gi. And then, wow. <laughs> and then I started sitting down, and he was like, ah oh, man, you cannot sit down here. Oh, you have to bow here. You have to bow there. You have to say this to this guy and stuff. I was like, oh man, there's so many rules. Yeah. But if I mean, I, 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 rules, that's, I they're all they're, they're all really welcoming. That's cool. Uh, that to be to be honest, I think well, it's it's a bit of a paradox because I, I think that jujitsu needs a little bit more of that discipline and that that uh, kind of regimented structure. Just a little bit more, but but judo probably needs a little bit less. I think in the in yes. the middle is is probably uh, where we could find um, uh, the best training experience and the and the, the best martial arts experience. Definitely would be good balance, but you know that for the when it comes to judo to to a dojo um, like uh, strict uh, rules in Kapodem, we are pretty loose with that because. In Japan, also people when they want to come and train jujitsu, they don't want to have the same rule as judo they want it to be more relaxed right because they're mm. tired of this like rules system that's that's very interesting i didn't know that that's yeah i can imagine you know that the, i don't know too much about japan i've been there a few times and i love the culture i'm very interested in it. but it's my understanding that that society is so regimented and it's so hierarchical and everyone has their, their specific place and there's so many rules about how you interact and how yes. you do things i can imagine if you're going to to do jiu-jitsu to relax, the last thing you want is to have to follow all these procedures exactly, and, yeah, yeah. and rules. You don't want yeah, that's very interesting. You want something very relaxed, right? So that's what we bring here too. Yeah, you know, talking to you, Thomas, it makes me so um, I really missing Japan and, and uh, wanting to come back and see you guys again. I've said it in, in articles before. In one particular article, I wrote. You know, I don't, everyone thinks, everyone who trains jiu-jitsu thinks they need to go to like Brazil and that, that is the Mecca of jiu-jitsu. And I think that there's a couple of reasons I think that's inaccurate. The first is that, look, the fact is uh, jiu-jitsu wasn't invented in Brazil. It was invented in its modern form, at least in Japan. And anyone who says that's not true is, is just uninformed. They're, they're literally just uninformed. You know, there was a judo uh and at certain branches of, of judo were doing ground training almost identical to what you see today. Yeah. I mean, literally hundreds of years ago. So 
I, I want to, I, in fact, I don't call jiu-jitsu Brazilian jiu-jitsu anymore when I can help it. I just call it jiu-jitsu because I, I just think Brazilian jiu-jitsu is a, uh, an a, inaccurate term. And then secondly, I, I tell people, look, if you want to go do like a, a cool jiu-jitsu holiday or a cool jiu-jitsu pilgrimage, yeah, Brazil's okay. I mean, you know, it's got nice weather and the beaches and everything. And it's, it's, there are aspects to that that are, you know, fun and cool. And I guess that's where, uh, a lot of the old academies like Gracie Baja and um, De La Hiva are, and, and those are interesting to visit. But I always say to them, just go to Asia, man. Go to Asia because you can go to Thailand, which is way better than Brazil in pretty much every aspect when it comes to beaches and fun and all that kind of stuff. And then you can just go over to Japan, which has got – I mean, Japan is such an incredible place, man. And it's yeah. – anyone listening, if you have the choice, if you want to do a big trip and you, you have the ability to go on a – on a big holiday and, and you want to see something incredible. I mean, I always tell people that's the first place, Japan, just go check it out. If you want to, if you want to have your mind blown, that's the place to go. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I really agree with that. Yeah. 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 Japan is some, is a very, very unique experience, right? Mm. Are you, are you kind of, are you used to it now? Are you getting bored of it or is it still, is it still, uh, the crazy, thing, the crazy thing here is you learn something new every day living in Japan. <laughs> Every yeah. day, always getting your mind blown. Sometimes. Can you give me an example of, of a recent one? Oh uh, man, like this, like for example, like this this time of the year, right? It's a little bit like um, special, right? Because today is first mm -hmm. of January, right? So, mm -hmm. and then for example, here first of January, everything is closed. Everything is closed. Well, like everywhere in the world, right? But in Japan, everything is always open all the time. So it's very weird, right? When you see that. <laughs> And then okay. this crazy talk show during the during New Year on TV, and then now that I start like uh, getting more and more Japanese language, I start to understanding more and more the society also and the way like the the TV show is very interesting. Like it's, <laughs> that's good. It looks very crazy for for us foreigners, right? Mm -hmm. When we watch uh -huh. Japanese TV, but actually it's very 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 funny right they do like some this kind of tv show where very funny stuff uh -huh. Uh -huh. yeah like man like every i'm always reminded of when you speak about that tv show i'm just thinking of um i don't know if you've ever watched that movie with bill murray called lost in translation yeah 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 i saw it yeah you remember he gets he he's a celebrity and he's in tokyo and he gets invited on this game show yeah and he, he literally does not know what's going on yeah, um, yeah, like two years ago, we went with Haizam, my training partner Haizam. He was invited to fight a um, sumo fight. Wow. So we, we went to this, like, yeah, it was a TV show live. And then he fought, like, Asa Shoyu, who is, like, the, the greatest uh, sumo wrestler of all time, right? Like a Yokozuna. Yeah, Yokozuna, yeah. He's a Yokozuna. <laughs> and then Haizam fought him, right? And, oh, no way. Uh, what happened? Uh, Haizam, he did a good fight, but he lost, right? Because the experience uh -huh. like, is totally different. Uh -huh. But man, that was something, right? But they love the fight. They love to see fights. They love to have the show, right? Yeah, Haizam's that big black guy, right? Yes, the tall guy. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, very tall, black guy, very athletic guy. So the, so the Japanese just lose their minds when they see someone so different from themselves, right? I mean, that's, that's such an interesting thing for them. Yeah, that's great. So, for example, in Japan, in the MMA scene, who's big now is, for example, Bob Sapp. He's really big in Japan. Still, he fights wow. a lot here. Yeah, and Gabi Garcia, she's really big too. She just fought in Rising. Wow, I didn't know that. So that I mean, Bob Sapp was—I used to watch him fight almost twenty years ago. Now uh, yeah. I didn't know he was still going. Still here, still going. 
That's great. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I remember there was um, actually a South African guy, uh, kickboxing guy called Mike Bernardo, Mike Barnardo, who used to fight in K1, um, and he he was one of the best kickboxers in the world at the time, and uh, he he was spent a lot of time in Japan, a lot of time fighting over there, and eventually he moved back to South Africa and. It's an interesting thing because in in Japan there were literally action figures of this guy. That's how famous he was. So you oh, walk wow. into okay. the store. Yeah, like Bob Sapp, there's also action figures of yeah, Bob yeah, Sapp. Yeah. And, and, and you know, he got, Mike Bernardo got back to South Africa and he was just a no one. Literally, he was a no one. <laughs> like some people would might take a little bit of interest and be like, "Oh, you're a martial arts instructor or whatever," but no one knew who he was. And he actually ended up. Man, sad story. The guy ended up killing himself. Um, oh, no. And I, a friend of mine and I always wonder if, I'm, I'm sure being hit in the head all those times didn't do much for his, his brain chemistry, but we often wonder, was it maybe because he had this idolization status in Japan and then he oh. come down off that and you get, you get back to South Africa and it's just, you're a nobody. That must have been really tough on his, on his mental state. Anyway, um, another thing I wanted to talk to you about, Thomas, is... Uh, so you're clearly fluent in English, and I've got to tell you, respect, man. Your English is far, far better than it was the, even the last time I saw you, which was about two years ago. Um, yeah. Still I don't know how you how, how have you been practicing. How have you been practicing over there in Japan? English. Your English. Yeah. What? How how have you been practicing it? Man, English is the tool. You know, you have to have this tool in your toolbox. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> I I like to try. I always love to travel. I I love to exchange with people new people making like new encounters and stuff so i really need english right this okay just it comes like through movies most, mostly movies i'm very oh, I cinema cinema guy so i watch a lot of tons of movies and try to understand as much as possible but that's cinema, great this is like uh it takes the, i'm still discovering new things every day right so so I'm, yeah i mean you're not a, you're not a black belt in english but uh yeah let's say you purple four stripes purple already. four stripes good i like yeah. purple four stripes maybe i can fight in worlds and stuff like that <laughs> but that's japanese, what I, japanese i'm making a big effort on japanese right now i'm so that, that's actually what i wanted to speak to you about because um man you it's so cool that you i mean you speak three languages you can make yourself understood i mean obviously you're perfectly fluent in french you have very excellent conversational english what level are you in, in Japanese? Japanese, blue belt. Blue belt, wow. And you've been living there for how long? For six years. <laughs> God, and, and, and you say you're making a big effort now. Would you say you're only a blue belt because this effort is only a recent thing? Or did you start making an effort from, from the minute you arrived? And I arrived in Japan and I couldn't say hello. I, I could just say <laughs> hello when I arrived here. I uh -huh. knew Konnichiwa and I knew uh, Ikitai, which means I want to go. Because when I first arrived in Japan, right, I was mm -hmm. I wanted to know the country, so I did a hitchhike here. Wow. A hitchhike wow. across the country, right? No, come on. You, you, you're telling me a lie. Come on. I don't yeah, believe you. I mean, it's true. It's true. I was living in Korea, right? And I had two weeks holiday, uh -huh. so I came in Japan. And I was uh -huh. like, okay, let's hitchhike. Because my best friend this time, he was all... All the time he was hitchhiking, and then I was like, "Man, that's so cool! I need to do it too." So I was oh, like, cool! What's the best okay, way to so, do it? So if I can just interrupt you for a second, yeah. there is one of my favorite books of all time. If anyone's listening and wants a great book recommendation, it's called the Hokkaido Highway Blues, and it's about this um, British guy who he hitchhikes from the 
the southern, the tip yes. of the southernmost island in Japan to the tip of the northern. Yes. You've read it as well? Okay, cool. So uh, for those listening, it's, this guy hitchhiked from the tip of the southernmost island in Japan all the way up to the tip of the northernmost island in Japan. Um, that, that's the deal. He just hitchhikes the whole way and he, he tells his stories and encounters. And story, yeah. I've never wanted to do something as badly as after reading that. So please, I want to hear all about this. So you hitchhiked. Sorry to have interrupted you, Thomas. Tell me a little bit more. Yeah, so I hitchhiked two times here. I, the first time it was the first like when I arrived in Japan the first time right the very first time 2011 so I had mm-hmm. two weeks holiday from my job in uh, Korea this time mm-hmm. I don't do jitsu right so I, mm-hmm. I arrived in the Kansai in the Kyoto spent two days in Kyoto and decided to, to go Hiroshima from Kyoto mm-hmm. so well you know how to hitchhike right you just have your backpack and you put your thumb up <laughs> waiting for the car I wait man I wait like for two hours Seriously, <laughs> waiting for two hours, and then the guy picked me up. And man, I don't speak any any Japanese, and he doesn't speak any English. But somehow, he takes me to Hiroshima, 350 kilometers from there. Holy shit! He drops. And I'm back. I'm guessing it's because he the Japanese are so polite. He probably just <laughs> thought that that was the right thing to do. <laughs> he probably wasn't even going that direction. But so like like. When you hitchhike in Japan, is next level. Because I hitchhike in Europe and in Japan, is next level, man. They, they take you, they don't take you to the city you want to go, they take you to the place you want to go. And then I've been invited for lunch man, so, so many times, I cannot, I cannot count them. Like, so many That's amazing. People, they would invite me to their house, leave their house open, like, leave their house, get some food for me, and coming back. And <laughs> Unbelievable. It's, a, it's a crazy. Some crazy stories happen. That's fantastic. And then, so that was the first time. So I went, I did, I did uh, Kyoto, Hiroshima in the south. So way south. Uh-huh. And then I came back all the way to Tokyo and take so many cars. That was the first time. Wow. Then the second time, I hitchhiked with my best friend and my sister. So we were three, which is kind of crazy. But uh-huh. Uh-huh. We, we changed the technique, not thumb up on the side of the road. We went directly to the service area and asking to people directly. So, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so, for example, you go to see someone, you're like, hey, I'm going to the direction of uh, Hokkaido. Can you just drop me like 20 kilometers up? And inside the car, you start talking, right? And uh-huh. the person, they start like talking and they're like, okay, this guy is not going to kill me. He's cool. And he's after <laughs> his friend. They look pretty chill. Okay, let's drive more. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> when you, when you said you're crossing like- all Japan like that. Ah, oh, that's amazing. When you said you changed the technique, I was expecting to say that you, you and your buddy hid behind the bush and you guys put your, your sister standing. Oh, what is that technique too? <laughs> that, that technique is when you really have no car, it's the last resort, you know. <laughs> Fantastic. Thomas, my brother, it has been a very, very great pleasure for me to talk to you and I thank you so much for your time and for staying awake late to do the show. Um, if people listening want to come to Japan and again anyone listening if you have the opportunity to take a vacation uh, and you're looking for an interesting and incredible experience I recommend Japan if people want to come train with you can you tell us where to find find you your Instagram maybe and, and a little bit more about Carpe Diem yeah you can find me on Instagram Thomas CDBJJ um, as it comes to training in Japan well it's very easy we are we, are the, we became the number one uh, Dojo Association, uh, mm-hmm. Association in Asia, Carpe Diem BJJ. Um, we are we have three dojos in uh, Tokyo. Soon to be four, 
we have uh, we have uh, more than seven dojos in Japan. It's constantly ev um, evolving. We have one in London, Singapore, and getting international now. Wow. Yeah, if you're in Japan, That's definitely great. definitely visit us. For sure, I I've, I also recommend Carpe Diem highly. It's a fantastic organization and just a great place to train. Yeah. Yeah, Thomas, my brother, thank you again so much, and I really, really do look forward to seeing you again. Thanks, Nick. Yeah. The land of the rising sun. I see, I hope to see you soon on the mat or of the mat. Okay, my brother. How cool was that? What an awesome guy, and uh, I just love his story. I mean, you guys will know if you've. Uh, followed my work for any period of time that I am, I don't want to say obsessed with Japan, enamored, uh, enamored of Japan is maybe a better way to, to put it. It's just one of the most special places I've ever been. Truly, truly special place. And I don't think there's anywhere on earth quite like it and that has has a vibe quite like that. I meant it when I said it in the, in the episode. If you want to go on a jiu-jitsu pilgrimage, don't go to Brazil. Go to Japan and then make Brazil second on your list. Japan is truly the home of jiu-jitsu. And you will have the most incredible time. One of my friends said it best. He said, the first time I arrived in Japan, it was like I had landed uh, in a spaceship on a different planet. That's how different it was. And he's not far off. There, There is such a unique and special culture. And you guys will get so much out of visiting Japan. That's why I really enjoyed talking to Thomas, you know, because it brought back so many memories for me. A few years ago, after chatting to Thomas, I would have gone and booked a flight directly to Japan there. And then uh, at this point in my life, I'm not quite able to do that because I've got a whole bunch of responsibilities and I'm focused on certain things. But rest assured, as soon as I'm in a position where I can travel again, Japan is very high up on my list and it should be on yours too. Anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Keep an eye out for more about Budo Fit, my conditioning program for martial artists, which will be coming soon. And until the next show, peace out.